0: And welcome to the Dawn Chorus. I'm Bernard Hickey from The Kaka. This is my daily podcast that goes out with my email newsletter via Substack, and it's called The Kaka, in which I look at um, three things, mostly housing affordability, climate change and child poverty, and try to translate what's happening in the world of uh, geopolitics, the global economy, and New Zealand's own political economy, into how it's affecting those three things here in Aotearoa, New Zealand. Today, I want to have a look at two things. Firstly, what's happening in the European economy and electricity markets and gas markets and geopolitics there. And secondly, I want to have a look at what's happening in employment and with wages here in uh, Aotearoa, New Zealand. Firstly, uh, we've been talking for weeks now about record high gas prices in Europe, and it's starting to all come to a head in real political, financial pain and reactions across not just continental Europe but also in the UK. So, just a recap gas prices have risen from around about 30 to 35 euros per megawatt hour to over 350 euros per megawatt hour. So a tenfold increase in gas prices. And that's because Russia has virtually shut off all of its gas supplies to Germany in particular, but uh, Europe more widely, through its Nord Stream 1 platform. It says it's because it's got some maintenance issues but Europe believes it's Vladimir Putin applying pressure on Europe to give up its support for Ukraine in Russia's war with Ukraine. And uh, this is forcing up electricity prices in Europe because most of the electricity, particularly in Germany, but also elsewhere, comes from burning gas, uh, in part because in recent years, Europe has been converting a lot of its coal-fired stations to burning gas, as we have actually. Uh, We have gas-fired boilers at Huntley, uh, which replace only some of the coal that we burn there. Nearly two million tonnes, by the way, of coal burnt in Huntley and around the country in various uh, um, dairy factories. But in Europe, Uh, they had really bet on Russia to provide the gas they needed to make the transition from coal to renewable. And they weren't nearly far enough along that track. And what we're seeing is those prices starting to convert into higher power bills for consumers and for companies. So power bills have doubled, quadrupled, depending on which country you're in, and a whole bunch of companies who rely on electricity for their factories and smelters and all sorts of things are shutting down plants, uh, reducing production, turning off lights, all sorts of things. In Britain, for example, where the same thing has happened, they uh, have a or had a, a price cap on the, on the power bill that someone would receive each year uh, and that is expected to double this uh, winter, and it's the main issue being discussed in this current leadership contest for the uh, um, Conservative Party, which will decide who replaces Boris Johnson as the uh, British Prime Minister. And the current frontrunner, Liz Truss, is doing all sorts of um, things, thinking about all sorts of things, saying all sorts of things to ensure she wins support of the Conservative Party members who uh, vote in the leader including things like uh, suggesting a five percentage point cut in the British VAT or what we call GST rate and um, uh, also uh, considering nationalizing the electricity system in Britain. To give you an idea, a poll out last night showed that more than half of Conservative Party voters, so this is sort of right-wing free market voters you'd think, are in favour of national nationalizing the British gas and electricity systems. So the, the pressure is intense, we're seeing unprecedented uh, political responses and uh, this is all because of the longer-term uh, need to um, shift to renewable and the shorter term need to um, push back at Russia, uh, in particular uh, in the wake of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. So geopolitics matters globally. This is going to force, Russia, uh, force Europe into a recession and is leading to intense inflation pressures. For example, Britain's central bank now expects inflation to hit 13% next year. And in fact, there's one bank that's forecasting 18% inflation in Britain next year. At the same time, Britain's economy is uh, stagnant to contracting, depending on which months and quarter you're looking at. That, of course, is compounded by the grief caused by Brexit. Another result of one of these long-term trends, which is the rise of um, misinformation, political polarization and frankly um, dumb decisions by democracies although there's some dumb decisions by autocracies going on as well so uh, it is um, a confluence of long-term and short-term trends that are making a mess of the global economic outlook and we're not immune from this uh, even though our electricity system is in theory isolated and cordoned off from the rest of the world. We of course still import coal and our gas prices, although not directly connected to the rest of the world, will eventually be influenced in some way if they aren't already. And we're certainly seeing very high wholesale electricity prices, although there's debate about uh, how realistic that is. And, and of course, we're seeing the climate effects of one of the long term changes. We've just had this atmospheric flood come down from the north, um, possibly because a whole bunch of the water which has been sucked out of the ground in lakes in the Northern Hemisphere um, has turned up on our doorstep with um, multiple uh, one in one hundred year floods. So um, these are things we all need to watch and care about because they will uh, slow our economy, change our financial uh, outlooks uh, for interest rates, inflation, prices uh, and employment. However, the second element of today's Dawn Chorus is to sort of push back at the idea that uh, um, our economy is operating at Complete full capacity. In fact, beyond full capacity, the idea is is that we have full employment, and therefore we're not actually employing extra people because anyone who could work is working, and that uh, that is necessarily generating intense wage p- pressures. Well, we do we do know that there are actually extra people being employed. So yesterday Stats reported numbers from its administrative uh, data collections from the IRD and elsewhere which look at how much people are being paid in their pay packets so of course the IRD sees a lot of data uh, from people's PAYE and that shows that we're up to 2.3 million people in New Zealand who are working and being paid monthly either full-time or part-time and uh, the Uh, Median weekly income, gross income, is actually rising at a rate of 7.9%. Now, you may ask, how's that possible? Because we don't have hourly wage growth, it's nearly that high. It's true, it's more like 3 or 4%. But because more people are working and they're working longer hours, there are more people who are shifting from part-time to full-time, they're working more than their 40 hours a week, Uh, you're actually seeing significant household income growth, which is actually faster than uh, our our wage inflation. So that's one of the things to say, the household sector is much more robust than you might expect from the headlines. And also, again, challenging this idea that we are at full employment, and even though we don't have too many migrants coming in, we are um, actually still able to squeeze more people into the workforce than working longer hours. So that's um, good news if you are worried that incomes are drying up. They're not. And it's good news if you believe that the economy seems to magically stretch to find extra ways to get people into work and solve some of our uh, um, labour shortage problems. And of course, if we can do that, that reduces some of the ultimate pressure on wages. We'll see. Just keeping you updated. I'm Bernard Hickey, that is the Dawn Chorus on Tuesday the 30th of August. Kakite ano.